welcome to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are queer to answer your questions. My name's Cheyenne. And I'm Gina. And class is now in session. We have another guest with us today. Mac, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, my name is Mac Rose. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am a lesbian and I'm also a fashion stylist and I work a lot with gender affirming styling and kind of combining my queerness and fashion all into one little social media thing. And what's your sign before we get into the fashion? I'm a Leo, which is Ooh. upsetting, I know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I no, like Leos. Those are one of my favorite signs. Yeah. I'm a real big fan of fire signs. Yeah, okay. I really like fire signs. Okay, good. I'm a Leo, I'm a Taurus <laughs> rising, and a Scorpio moon. Okay. Oh, that checks love. out. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm very grounded. I actually really like my yeah. Taurus. Yeah. Can you explain what gender affirming styling is? Because I'm really into this. Yeah. So I work with a lot of people that are mid transition or post transition, and then people that are also just at any point in their gender journey. And they're not quite sure how they can affirm it because I think it's first a mental hurdle. And then it's a, how do I now explain this to other people hurdle? And then it's like, okay, how can I solidify my identity um, hurdle and present in a certain way that feels good to me and good to put out there. And that's kind of where I come in um, for people that are transitioning. It's kind of the final push to be like, we're leaving this kind of older piece behind in the way that we dressed and we're entering a new phase of life. Mm -hmm. And for people that aren't transitioning and are just looking for a way to kind of feel more secure in their their gender and their identity. It's a place for us to explore masculine and feminine dress and how to combine the two and how to present your queerness if you choose to do so in a way that's comfortable for you because it's different for everybody. So that's kind of the gist of gender affirming styling. That's a perfect like elevator pitch. I'm so fascinated. That's so dope. <laughs> yeah. What uh, got you into that specific type of styling or kind of what led up to doing this kind of work for you? Yeah, so I've been working with clothes for as long as I can remember. One of my first jobs was in a pageant dress shop, um, and I was just like cleaning up clothing scraps when I was a kid. And then I moved to a boutique job when I was in high school, and that's when I really started like picking out clothes for other people. And the demographic of the boutique was kind of women, um, like 40s, 50s in the South, where I grew up. And the way that they would speak about their bodies was so detrimental to their daughters who were shopping with them and also just people that were shopping around the store and kind of seeing that repetitively and seeing that all of these women had the same thoughts about themselves no matter what size they were at what socioeconomic status they had walking into the boutique like none of them were satisfied mm -hmm. and so seeing that when I was like 14 15 years old kind of got the wheels turning really young of like how much clothes and the way that we dress affects not only our personality but our daily energy level and um I knew when I went to college I wanted my support job to still be clothing and so I got a boutique job on the Upper East Side, which was the most high profile version of my job I had done up to that point. There were a lot of celebrity clients and it was insane because they were probably the most hurtful to themselves mm. of any of the clients that I had worked with up to that point. And at that point I was like, damn, like you could have it all. And if you still don't put aside time 
to figure out yourself and become comfortable with the things you're supposed to be uncomfortable with, Mm -hmm. like you will never feel peace. And that's when I was like, at during COVID, I got let go from that job. Um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this my own way. Because also if I'm working for somebody else, like I'm never going to be able to make my mark. So I started social media during the COVID wave, um, in 2020. And I did styling just online. And then when I really started to come to terms with my queerness and what that meant for me and the way that I dressed to reflect that is when I was like, okay, why don't I just combine the two and start talking about it in a more like intersectional way, if that's Mm -hmm. the one. And it's just kind of grown from there. And now I'm pretty much at a place where sexuality and clothing go hand in hand and the way people Mm -hmm. identify. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. I am kind of using this podcast as like an avenue to talk to all of like the creators I think are really cool and like (laughs) doing amazing things. And I know for me, like your content has been really helpful. I like watch it religiously, uh, not to be creepy, but I do (laughs) love it. And I love the body positive approach that you take to things because it's not like you don't just wake up and you're like, you know what, I'm going to be body positive and I'm going to do all these things. And it's like kind of like an unlearning process and like leaving your comfort zone. And I've definitely experienced that both with like feminine clothing and more quote unquote masculine clothing. Like I have a hard time leaving my little feminine clothing bubble personally. And, you know, having creators out there like you to help teach you how to like explore these things, I think is really helpful because what resource do we have for that? Yeah, that and that makes me so happy because like I really do like to refer to my content and my little community that we built as like a stepping stone and not a final mm-hmm. destination. I always say my end goal is that you unfollow me like in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get like a new batch of students in kind of like a teacher. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you, you've grown. You don't need me anymore. Go, you know, like you're good. Mm-hmm. You've learned everything you can learn and now you know how to do it on your own. Um, <laughs> so that makes me really happy to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Where did your queer journey begin? I mean, obviously like maybe conception, but how how did your whole whole coming out process go? Yeah. So when I was like eight, I saw my brother Google girls kissing girls Mm -hmm. and I like chastised him for it. And then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And I like like, closed the laptop and then I went back to my room and I immediately started praying because my mother was (laughs) and um I was like I will never forget that night that I kind of like the light bulb went off and it was Mm -hmm. the first time I was ever exposed to like not male female Mm -hmm. and I was just like why do I like this better than the alternative and I remember praying to God I was like please don't make me gay. Please don't make me gay. I swear I will do anything. If you don't make me gay, I will marry a man and I will hate my life until the day I die. Don't <laughs> make me gay. That's Aww. how far I took it as an eight-year-old. Yeah. And wow. it even my parents, my parents are fantastic, but it was just the lack of knowing that that was an option mm. makes the default that it's wrong. Like yeah, not- it internalized homophobia is so layered. Like it's, it's not, it's so, so, layered. so layered that an eight-year-old is not immune to it. Like yeah, it's, it's so sad, but I definitely tucked it away into like high school. And then I got to that like senior year phase where like you start, you know, like partying for the first time and you're like, mm. oh, we're drunk, we should kiss. And, um, <laughs> and I literally, I remember this one party where like, we like the friends like kiss and then we were like, we were not like gay though. <laughs> <That'd be weird. laughs> so then yeah. I 
the thought alone. That was the second time I touched on the thought. And then I went to college and then I was like, oh, education. And then I was like, I'm bisexual. And I was in a relationship with a boy who was very sweet. Um, and I came out to him first and he was fantastic about it. Eventually we broke up. And then after that, I was, you know, a whole ass adult. And I was like, I'm going to go see what this other situation is like. <laughs> and um, I did. And I was like, actually, I think I'm going to live over here. So I've been there ever since. And I have- You you hauled I did. I did. I hauled with the idea of lesbianism. Yeah, yeah that's so meta. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, I know you're in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Does your family still live down South? Yeah. So my family lives down South, but we're all gay. Like like, it was when I came out, it was old fucking news. Like when I came out, my parents were like, get a hobby. Like, um, there's so many of us and there's like three gay cousins per aunt. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. They still live down South. Everyone else is up North. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if you have noticed a difference in how queer people present themselves in New York versus down South, or maybe just like generally the East coast, like Northern East coast versus Southern queers. That's such an interesting question that I've never thought of before. (laughs) Now that you say that, I think in, at least in my experience up here, people are more comfortable leaning to the masculine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say masculine and feminine because especially in gender affirming styling, when we're first starting out, it's really a lot less complicated to divide the two and then be like, see, we can mix this and pull from here and here. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, it's like everything is one, whatever. Um, so apologies for to keep throwing those around, but people do tend to be a lot more comfortable, like exploring that kind of less feminine side. And I think that does have a lot to do with religion down South and just the way that gay people are um, perceived in general in the South. It, there's very much a like, oh, you, you like, you can do it, but just like, stay quiet not in public like too loud don't shove it in our face so I think people definitely in the south try to assimilate much more in their clothing um and you will notice like a lot more feminine dressing um in the Mm. queer community in the south at least in my experience whenever I visit home um and go to those spaces down there okay in terms of your fashion journey and and queer journey and stuff is there any point in which you kind of like educated yourself on queer fashion or lesbian fashion or was that a part of like a course somewhere yeah so it wasn't it wasn't a course unfortunately um but I think that I did it like the classic like 50s kind of onward um because I think before then the clothes are a lot more abstract you know like we've mm-hmm. got like suffragette style like before then and flappers and um it's mm-hmm. not as much to pull to this modern day but I do think that the 1950s 60s era of lesbian dress is really interesting in the way that we coded things to find each other in public and the whole lavender menace movement in general I actually have a tattoo for the lavender menace um and a mug um that I've been thinking out of but there's there's honestly not much to go off of in terms of lesbian history it's just so hard to trace because we were all Mm -hmm. friends it's it's like hard to kind of pinpoint style from each decade. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. And I think that's why we get so many questions about like, how do I dress lesbian? How do I be like, how can I be known on the street as, you know, a lesbian? And it's hard too, because I think styles ebb and flow and trends do. And so what was once 
clearly a lesbian thing can now be trendy and then everybody's wearing it and you're like are you gay or are you just following this trend it's like i don't know you're wearing a vest so it seems gay to me but now people (laughs) are wearing vests it's so annoying and i think there's no like history for us to really pull from to prove like no this is ours you know which is unfortunate yeah it's definitely unfortunate but it's also the type of case where like okay so make your own, you know, like mm-hmm. find your own identifier. And yeah. it doesn't need to be like world renowned. Everybody knows when they see it, but just something for you. That's like, this is the final piece to my outfit. I feel complete. I feel good. I can walk out the door. Yeah. 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 I've, I've asked this question before, but I'm really curious how you'll answer. How would you let people know about your identity and your gender and sexuality? Like you personally, if you want to go out and you want to never want to be like, that person's gay. Oh, um, <laughs> what well, the first thing that came to mind was fingernail length, but that's not <laughs> like that's not an accessory. Um, it kind of is. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I don't know because that's something that I struggled with a lot was looking the part, and mm-hmm. I think the like ultimate like realization that I came to is that I don't need to I surround myself with queer women I go to queer spaces I don't really Mm -hmm. go to straight spaces a lot or surround myself with a lot of straight people honestly Mm -hmm. um so I feel like I for me personally just the life that I set up I I don't have many places that I need a signifier if I do I'll just manspread like, like, yeah. like I'm not yeah. in in a skirt with like yeah, a little yeah definitely with my monsters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely if I need to assert my dominance yeah I love that answer because it, it truly is like transcending the need for the signifiers and the need to like set yourself apart and I I've kind of like gone back and forth with that like talking about trying to dress more masculine but not feeling necessarily comfortable like I feel comfortable dressing more feminine but is it because I've been socialized to dress this way and that's why I feel the discomfort or does it just like not feel good for me I feel like a lot of the back and forth I have is probably pretty relatable for a lot of people uh just because I don't think my experiences are (laughs) unique at all uh I mean they are they absolutely are but like in the the way that the lunch lady hands you a sandwich in third grade that, okay yeah you of something you know okay like, stop being so deep sorry <laughs> you scorpio man sorry I'm an, I'm an aries moon I get aggressive I'm like I'm like not actually mad I'm just no no you're I'm so kidding. fine I mean I'm a fire sign too so I'm like yeah I'm gonna fucking write a poem now yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah if I can ask yeah. another styling question when you have clients and and you're getting clothes for them. Like, are you thrifting? Are you buying new clothes? Do you make like, do you have a sewing machine? Like where do the, where are the clothes sourced from? So I, that's something that I ask in the initial consultation. Are there any stores you don't want to give your money to? Um, and then I just more so have a list of hard no's than a list of yes. And then depending on their style aesthetic, which I'm able to diagnose pretty easily within two sessions, I compile a list of clothing stores that I think match their aesthetic and where they want their style to go. Um, and then we shop together depending on what styling thing they're doing, or I'll just send them like a huge list of clothes that I source from 
thrift shops um, from like online thrift and from thrift stores, like a combination of both that, and then they can just like pick things. But some people are like, I only want secondhand pieces. And for that, like, I totally respect that. And I love it. I actually prefer shopping secondhand for people. I think Mm -hmm. it's a lot more fun, but that is probably where I get most of the clothes is secondhand. Yeah. That, that is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's super unique. And like, it's, it's a little bit harder, takes a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just like the, the payoff is way bigger. Cause it's just like, I, I found this one of a kind piece that's going to so perfectly bring your wardrobe together. Yeah. I'm sure you can work with like any aesthetic, but is there a specific type of person or like group of people that you tend to run into a lot? Like, does everyone that come to you want to dress kind of like boho or dress like the, what's that girl's name? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you guys aren't straight either, but I don't know. Uh, Matilda Dorp. Matilda Dorp. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's her name? Uh, I don't I don't really know who that I kind of know who that is. She's like coastal chic, right? Like yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, she's like Scandinavian. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so I actually in the first session, one of the things that I really try and like hammer down is mm-hmm. that the more personal your style is, the less it's going to fit in a box. Mm-hmm. And so to just give up right now, trying to find out if you're boho or you're maximalist or you're chic or whatever, because mm-hmm. like I was saying, like about the point mm-hmm. of view has a unique experience. Everyone has a unique experience in terms of style mm-hmm. and what's boho mm-hmm. to somebody might be eclectic or chic to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just going to con- like, the more you try and shove yourself into a box, the more suffocated and confused you're going to be. So uh, we do a lot of exercises in my styling that, um, really puts together odd words. One of my favorites was like goth princess Diana. Um, mm-hmm. one client that I okay. recently did. Yeah. And it's like, you're never going to find that on like a Vogue style quiz, yeah. but it's most true to her style that we could have possibly gotten. I think I'm the goth princess Diana, <laughs> like the, just all black bike shorts, oversized tops. Yep. Kind of <laughs> yeah. That's like what I meant. But I will say most people, when they come to me, it's because they're completely lost mm-hmm. and most people will start by always kind of falling into the minimalist capsule wardrobe chic Mm -hmm. area. And I'm like, okay, great. Like let's foster that. And then like, occasionally I'll just like stick a little like banana person or something and see how they react. And I'm like, you like that? You're like, (laughs) Um, I try and push them, but I think when people first start out, that's like the safest place for them to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. How you said goth princess Diana. Mm-hmm. What's what's your style in like those terms? So like the the basic version of the the boom 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 version. So it literally changes every day. Like mm-hmm. I it's always different, but probably like crazy lesbian cowgirl. I don't like something like that. Like, because I love the southern elements of clothes. Like I love denim, I love cowboy boots, but there's also like an eclectic side of my style that's mm-hmm. um really ugly and I really love it so I don't quite know what the word is besides like crazy I know there's like there's something called weird girl aesthetic right now so maybe like a little bit of that but it really does change like depending on like what I ate for dinner (laughs) what kind of exercises do you do with people who are looking for more gender affirming styling. Like I know you mentioned mixing the quote unquote masculine feminine pieces, but are there any other things? I mean, obviously you can't give away all your tips, um, (laughs) but just for people looking to get into affirming their gender, what are some other like little, little things that they can do to do that? 
Yeah, there's this is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole experience that everybody does. And I call it I call it fashion therapy. Mm-hmm. And I basically have um 10 pictures of traditionally masculine clothing and 10 pictures of traditionally feminine outfits. And we go through every one and I show them the picture and I'm like, how does this make you feel? Like, tell me, what do you see? And um, we kind of like identify what they like about each outfit in both the masculine and feminine form and circle the things that they like, cross out the parts of the outfits that they don't. Mm -hmm. And that's when we get to give them like a breather to identify what they actually like. Because in Mm -hmm. an age of consumerism like this, most of the time we can't find our style because we don't know what we like, which is the simplest question in the world. But just when you're constantly trying to buy things or hop on new trends, like you really don't have the time to ask yourself that. So um, I think if anybody kind of wants to delve a little bit more into a gender affirming styling thing, um, it would really benefit them to take a look at a bunch of different styles of feminine outfits and masculine outfits and really separate the pieces and try not to think, I always say, don't put these on your body. Don't say, oh, I like it, but I can never wear it. Look Mm -hmm. at it objectively. Look at it. If it was just laying flat on a board, would you like it or not? And if you do, then that's something to explore. It doesn't, you don't have to only dress mask if you're a lesbian, because then that makes you feel like you're more of a lesbian. Like you can dress in frilly dresses and still be like, however you want to identify. It's just really taking the time to figure out what you like is Mm. something we don't do enough. Mm. Yeah. Earlier when you were talking, I was thinking that the whole process does sound very like therapeutic and I I don't think you have a therapy degree, but I think it can be kind of healing in a way to figure out these things and figure out how you want to express yourself and grow more deeply and know yourself on like a more intimate level in these ways so I was like thinking that it sounded very therapeutic earlier so that was funny that you just kind of compared it to that in a way (laughs) yeah I actually get a lot of emails from therapists saying that they recommend me to their clients and that's Um, like one of the most rewarding comments I've ever gotten about my job is that like from a therapist like that's Mm -hmm. I'm like okay I'm doing something (laughs) yeah 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 that's really sweet Is there anything about queer life that was unexpected for you personally? Oh yeah. The community, the community Mm -hmm. is unmatched. There's something so like unexplainable about the warmth of being around people that have a deep shared experience of life that Mm -hmm. you don't even have to talk about it. There's just an understanding. And you know, it's not like you meet somebody like in a queer bar and you're like, I get you, but it's just like being in a group of people that's like, like, I feel good. I feel warm and fuzzy. And knowing that like you have this backbone, no matter what happens, like when you really solidify your queer friend group and the community is just unmatched. And it's something that I can't believe I deprived myself of for so long. Yeah. Um, is there a queer obsession that you have? Oh, killing Eve. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Any like deadly gay, um, I'm taking it. Inject me with that Mm -hmm. shit. Like I love that show and I've seen it so many times and I forced everybody that I've seen to watch that show as well. Who was your deadly gay awakening? Like, is there a first character that you feel like awakened this love? Oh my God. Um, Okay. Not even killing you, but Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, 
Arya Stark. I mm-hmm. something about like wielding a sword, I guess. I don't know, but I didn't <laughs> watch that show until college. And um, I like started it at like the last season and because mm-hmm. I'm fucking psychotic like that, I guess. But um, I, I remember watching that and I was like, we should be best friends. Like I, I get her. Like we would be really good friends. <laughs> really good friends. Yeah, a year later, I was like, have enough friends. You don't want to be friends. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so back to Villanelle uh you just like the villain vibe like is it kind of like she was I have so heard that. dressed and that was like a character arc of hers was like she loves shopping with the money that she got mm. from assassinating people which I'm like that is so me um <laughs> I just love that about her and then also like she's so like silly in a murderer way and I just love the joke and then she also is like um so classy at the same time like mm. she murders someone she's very classy about it like yeah. she's like how do you want to die and I'm like that's very polite so I <laughs> she can do it all like she, she yeah. is the full package yeah she has manners <laughs> like that's the southern in me I'm like mm-hmm. I'm gonna with manners wow <laughs> my mother Perfect. Your description of her makes me want to give the show another try because I watched like a few episodes and then never finished it, but that makes me want to watch it. So maybe yeah, I'll go back. I was like you. I was like you once. Mm-hmm. I started it and then I stopped it like three episodes in and then I started it again and I loved it. So give it a, it's a yeah. second show. You got to push yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will. My girlfriend likes it. So I'm sure she'll be on board to for the girlfriend. watch it again. Doing for the girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, our last question yeah. for you specifically, is there any overarching advice that you have for younger queer people or a younger version of yourself or anything like you wish you knew when you were a young person figuring everything out as, you know, in queer life? <sighs> um, give yourself time. You don't need to make any finite decisions now. Like you don't need to discover your sexuality by Tuesday. You don't need to figure out everything and have mm-hmm. color-coded labels for who you are by the end of the week once you start to feel things for the first time. Like I I don't regret the way that I handled anything as a kid because I think it really taught me like if if I'm gonna push this down, like this is not a way to live. And I think mm-hmm. every queer person can really resonate with that part of figuring out they're queer and just like slow down you don't need to figure out how to look like a lesbian you don't need to figure out what your sexuality title is or who you want to date or whatever just like live in what you're feeling now explore it enjoy it and then when you decide not all of this matches up anymore to the way I feel then you can move on and you can start feeling and moving through life in a different way but don't try and get to the end result before you even know what's going on mm. inside of your body. Just give yourself time and ride the wave. I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, we actually had a question from one of our listeners and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, but the question was, how do I let other people know I'm a lesbian? Like I want girls to see me in a club and come to me, but I don't know how. My clothes don't give it away. So obviously earlier we talked about the man spreading, but Mac, is there anything else that you would recommend like energy or vibe wise? Or are you like the type of person to just go up and talk to someone and you're like, stop trying to let people know, like just go to them. Like, what are your thoughts on this? So unfortunately I am very bold, like embarrassing mm-hmm. to my friends and I will just like walk up to someone and be like, 
you're really hot. Um, but I know that's not the case for everybody. And it definitely mm-hmm. worked for me for starting out. Mm-hmm. The best thing you can do, and I know the most cliched piece of advice is to be like, be confident, but genuinely like grab your shoulders, throw them back. You grow two inches, you know, and that's all you have to do. Like literally mm-hmm. you don't need to buy clothes. You don't need to spend money. You don't need to do anything. Just literally, instead of going through life like this, try going through it like this and just mm-hmm. see how people react differently to you. And don't like fucking fake it. You know, like nobody's yeah. actually confident all the time, but just next time you're walking down the street, just try and walk down the street like this and see how much better you walk. Like, and when you walk into a queer space, instead of shrinking, be, be a little bit taller, like take up the space. You, you, you made time in your schedule to explore space and a part of you, like take the space you, you should take the space. So I think take the space. And then also just like on a more like actually stylistic level, any piece of clothing that's like a little bit baggier is my go-to because number one comfortability, don't push yourself out of a box and shove yourself into an outfit that to you screams lesbian, because you just want to present a certain way because you're just going to shrink and be uncomfortable all night long. And you're not going to be yourself. You always need to dress for comfort first and then style second. So dress in an outfit feel comfortable in and then add shoes or a bag or a little something that pushes you towards the style you want to present but comfort first style second I love everything that you said Mac but if I would add anything a really subtle thing you can do is like add a campy accessory like Mm. hamburger earrings or like the banana purse or whatever you know the the cactus backpack something that adds like a level of camp because I don't think straight people um gravitate towards those things and that would be for me something where like if you're not looking for specific like rainbows on somebody if uh, earrings I think can be a real big giveaway like if a girl's got funky earrings she's at least bisexual I I would imagine I mean that's not you know a general rule but I think it can help if you if there's something a little funky a little campy just add it in you're so right. Also get one of those t-shirts that says, I love hot moms. That yeah. like Easy. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. <laughs> so, yeah. One of those and you'll be set some funky earrings. <laughs> out there, kid. <laughs> yeah. My advice uh, is kind of silly. If you're in a drinking space, I would say like opt for a beer instead of another kind of drink. Like if, obviously if you like beer, if you don't like beer, drink whatever you want but like I feel so like mask when I'm holding like a beer in my hand like I'm like who wants to talk about NASCAR right now (laughs) I know nothing about NASCAR but like I feel like I should be talking about it like I'm gripping my beer man spreading looking around I just I don't know I feel so masked with a beer in my hand (laughs) I feel like when I see people with beers I'm like okay they're either like a pick me or queer or both maybe (laughs) so it could go either way yeah guys let's like think about this hypothetical person we just made in our brain like you walk into a bar someone's like head high i heart hot mom's t-shirt funky earrings and they're holding a beer like come on lesbian immediately immediate clock Yeah, just wear that exact outfit, do those things, you're fine. Like, you'll never have to hit on someone first again. Yeah, you don't, like, I don't know why anyone would go anywhere else for advice. Like, yeah. just fixed everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. 
So number one question, where can everybody find you? Number two question, are you taking new clients? If people like what they hear, should they like reach out? What's the deal? Yeah, I definitely am taking new clients and I work on a monthly cycle. I work on a small batch cycle so that I can be very personal and really get to know mm -hmm. everybody. Um, so every month there's going to be new spots and you can find me on Instagram or TikTok or wherever you please. And my handle is official macros and in my bio is the styling inquiry form. If anybody wants to learn a little mm -hmm. bit more or book a consultation, they're free. They're 15 minutes. Just so you can learn a little bit more about the programs. That's where you can find me. Yeah. You might get one from me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep it I'm interested. Perfect. And for the podcast, send us all your questions, DM us anywhere online at Sapphic Survival Guide, except for Twitter, which is just at Sapphic Survival. Um, you can also send us an email, sapphicsurvivalguide at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 724-209-8877. If you want some bonus content and video feed, you can go to patreon.com slash Guide. And as always, leave us a like, a follow, rate, review, all those things. And you can find me anywhere online at The Lee Regina, including my website, thelieregina.com. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Mess Bean on pretty much any social media platform. With that, class is now dismissed. <laughs>